from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Welcome to Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. My name is Sean Astin, and I will be your host. My name is Sean Astin, and I will. Today happens to be the first episode, the inaugural episode of my new first episode, the inaugural episode. I've wanted to do a political show for. A political, a show political show for 25 for years. 25 I've, years. Campaigned for I've campaigned for three presidents. I've been very close to Hillary Clinton. I've lobbied in front of Congress. Front of Congress. I've managed a congressional campaign. I'm a guy who likes to get on the show. On the show, we're going to force ourselves to force ourselves to listen to others and and be better for it. Be better for it. From Boston, from Boston, wants to talk about student loans. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. I want to hear their viewpoint. Opposite of mine, totally opposite I of mine. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to grow. I was just wondering, who's running? 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 These Republicans have a job number one to take his job away. We made measures different. There's one thing that matters. One thing that concerns the liberals all here. We want to make sure that's important to show. The problem with Way, different way. A lot of people, lot of people compare, compare right-wing politics, politics with, with, Christianity. 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 This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda, understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. fighting on my behalf, uh, and yet 
feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone, because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that, um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. But well, I have to tell you that okay. over the course of... There it is. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Vox Populi. I am your host, Sean Astin. And uh, I just played a clip of President Obama's statement that was um, played yesterday around the world. And it's what people are talking about and thinking about. So uh, the conversation, let me back up. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, this is the second episode of this show. And I feel like I have grabbed the bull with by both horns, and he is electrified. <laughs> um, I've I've been prepping the show, I don't really ever since we went off the air with the first one, and the the more I learn, the more I study, the more I read, the more I talk to people, the more I listen, the more I realize I don't know. And I think that's a really good, healthy place to start from, because certainty in a hot-button issue like this is um, toxic, at least when it comes to discussion. And I know that there, I believe that there is a time under the sun for almost all things, and there is a time to fight. And there are places uh, all over the country, all around the world, where this issue um, causes such intense, passionate feelings that people are ready to go and fight for what they, what they believe in. And in a democracy, as long as that fighting takes the form of impassioned conversation and I don't know if civil disobedience is the right word, but, but certainly peaceful protesting, then more's the better. And as I was pulling clips for today's episode, uh, I was drawn. I was drawn towards certain things, like that Obama quote has to be played. Even though we were talking about it on my Twitter uh, conversation at host Vox Populi, um, which is really where I spent a lot of the a lot of my time this last week was really engaging in that uh, community. And the followers went from under 1,000 before last episode to just about 14,000 now. And I think most of that increase happened during a really intense discussion about um, uh, reproductive rights and um, pro-life issues. Uh, you know, I we talked to Frank Luntz last week, and there was a, there was – some discussion about you know the power of words, the power of language, and and Frank was saying that you know words, we all know that words matter, but he was saying you know call something an estate tax or call it a death tax, and people are going to have a different. It's the same thing, but people are going to have a a different reaction to it. And my premise with this show, what I'm trying to do with this show, and what I've said over and over again, and I'll continue to say over and over again, is that we want a civil discussion. And as I was starting to say a minute ago, when I was pulling the clips. I was watching news programs and reading 
uh, blogs and articles, and people are people are pretty entrenched in their viewpoint, which is um, which is their their right. It's their privilege. But I think sometimes when they're screaming and yelling or shoving their opinion out there, they're not actually reaching anybody other than those who agree with them. And maybe there's a a point to getting, you know, people riled up who agree with you so they'll come out and vote. But this show is about having a conversation where we listen to each other, as was said in that promo, that wicked cool promo, Jason... uh, my buddy Jason put that together in Persis. Thanks, guys. I realized at the end of last show that I had all these thank yous I wanted to do, and uh, we were out of time, so I couldn't thank anybody. So I'll be intermittently thanking people throughout the... You know, I used to go to banquets or, you know, nonprofit events or something like that, or even political events, and they stand up and it's four hours of thanking people, and you're like, please stop thanking you. They, I thank me by stopping thanking them. Uh, but now that I'm doing this, and I realize that the... Uh, I'm going to try and say um less. That was some good feedback that I got. It'll mean that I have to talk slower. But uh, there are... Ooh, I said uh instead of um. Does that count? Darn it. Can you do a buzzer? Every time I say um, no, don't do the buzzer. It'll just be a show about a buzzer. Uh, I realize that you're dependent in large measure on other people's skill and talent and goodwill. So I will be thanking uh, lots of people, and I'll start with the Twitter followers because I honestly believe the reason I felt emboldened to make this show a reality, to uh, follow through on my impulse when I first came to the Toad Hop Network with regard to my other inspirational Twitter campaign uh, was because there's there because you can reach so many people in an immediate way through Twitter, uh, and yet it's frustrating because at 140 characters, um, you know, no matter how many blisters you put on your thumb trying to get your point across, there's uh, something to be said for the sound of the human voice and gathering uh, sound from other television radio clips. So, the point of this show is to have a conversation where we force ourselves to listen to other people whose viewpoint is diametrically opposed to us and to um, and to just do our level best not to uh, react to it. And there's actually a, a screen grab I have right here of um, one of the followers on Twitter who, I wonder if it's available right there, who just had a, a, a really... A beautiful way of putting it. I'll just paraphrase it because I can't find it. She just said, I will do my best to listen even though a barrier just went up around my heart. A defensive barrier. And I I emailed her back saying that, I, you know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to protect yourself. No one is asking. I would certainly not ask anyone to to compromise a deeply held belief. I would only ask people to try as best you can for some portion of your time to hear. Because what I noticed is a lot of people really don't even know what the other side believes. One of the uh, one of the, the loyal followers on Twitter was saying from Canada, she was saying, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And it was this plaintive plea. I just don't understand the other side. How can they feel that way? 
And both sides feel that way about the other. And I thought, you're right, you don't understand. And you know what? I don't really understand. So let me get some people um, to talk to me who can speak intelligently to this issue. And I think I'll go right away into the first interview uh, that I have. I need to I need to pull up Maggie's um, uh, sorry Ma- Maggie's bio here because I want to get it right. I've pulled up her Wikipedia page. She's a well-known voice on the um, sort of I don't even know how to use language right in this area. The pro marriage, the um, advocacy of uh, defining marriage as uh, the union between one man and one woman. She's been uh, at the, in the vanguard of that movement for a long time. Her name is Mal- Maggie Gallagher. Um, she, uh, Wikipedia here says that she's an American writer and commentator, uh, written a syndicated column for a universal press syndicate since 95. Uh, she's published books. And now she serves as the president of the Institute for Marriage and Public Policy, which is a nonprofit organization lobbying on issues of marriage law. Uh, and she's a former president and chairman, uh, chairwoman of the National Organization uh, for Marriage. So for those of you who are listening in who really um, feel that marriage should be between a man and a woman uh, and have a hard time explaining why you feel that way, for those of you who want to understand from a legal perspective, not just from an emotional perspective or a religious perspective or ideological perspective, but from a legal perspective, from a political perspective, what's happening? I think that this conversation that I had with Maggie is uh, really illuminating. For those of you whose blood boils at even the sound of the phrase one man and one woman, I ask your patience and indulgence and um, listening to what Maggie has to say. Uh, she's was a very nice woman. Was, she was very good without knowing much about me or about my show to trust that I would give her a fair listen. Um, she's incredibly biased, and that's why I wanted her on the show. And just know that we will have uh, a good um, opportunity for you for as listeners to hear your viewpoint uh, framed in a way that uh, should be should be pleasing. So, but here it is um, on Vox Populi talking about uh, her perspective on the need to institute a policy formally, legislatively, um, recognizing marriage solely as a union between a man and a woman. Here we go. This conversation happened last night. Here comes. All right, so Maggie, I'm going to go ahead. Can I call you Maggie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. All right, sorry, I should have asked first, but um, I'm going to go ahead and do the the introduction of you um, beforehand, and then to kind of maximize your time while I'm on the phone, I'll just jump into questions. Um, is okay. That, is that okay. All right. So there, it was a big uh, it was a big political day yesterday, or I guess Tuesday, I should say, and. Um, in North Carolina, uh, the voters in North Carolina elected to uh, change the Constitution to include a definition of marriage that uh, allows for uh, the marriage between one man and one woman. Is that, am I getting that right? 
Yeah, by, by a vote that even MSNBC is calling overwhelming, 61% in favor to 39% opposed, this uh, southern moderate swing state that voted for Obama in 2008 decided to disagree with President Obama's new position in favor of gay marriage. Okay, so the audience for this show, at least the audience I'm trying to nurture and cultivate, is about uh, ha having um, people of differing viewpoints communicate in a, in a civil way with each other. And, and what yeah. I notice a lot of the, the people that are drawn to communicate first are ones who don't have a real background or understanding of the of the issue. And I mean, it's it's pretty clear on the face of it what the issue is here. But I thought, you, you know, maybe you could just talk to why why proponent why the why this um, why well, yeah sure. Amendment. Well, I think marriage is the union of husband and wife for a reason. Uh, these are the only unions that make new life. We all count on bringing together male and female to make and raise the next generation that knows the love and care of their mother and father. That's not just what marriage has been in North Carolina or California. It's what marriage has been across time and place in culture after culture. People have recognized there's something special about bringing together male and female. We all have a need for this that we don't necessarily have a need, uh, a personal need, uh, 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 a social need, a common need from the common good to bring together other kinds of relationships. So same-sex marriage, in my view, is based on an untruth about human nature. Same-sex unions are not marriages. They don't serve the same purposes. I mean, everyone's entitled to love as they choose, but none of us has a right to redefine a basic core social institution like marriage. All right. So a lot of the people that have been uh, commenting feel personally injured. They're, people's feelings are hurt. People feel wounded and, and, uh, and attacked by by this um, by a, a kind of re um, yeah recodification of what you of what you just said how how is it is it possible to kind of to reach into the other uh, point of view and and speak to that feeling of injury well you know I, I do understand that this is an issue which people feel very strongly I'll tell you that when Judge Walker overturned Prop 8 in California and basically nullified the votes of 7 million Californians. If you were one of the people like me who worked hard to pass that with time and treasure and effort and sacrifice, it's pretty painful um, to, to, to have a court overrule that. So I, I, I don't have a good and easy solution for how we somehow um, – erase that pain, but I think it's important to acknowledge it, and I think it's important to recognize that there are good people on both sides of the issue. Um, okay, so uh, that's well said. Um, I mean, I guess it's important. Yeah, it is important when, when people are talking about working together in a civil context to, to you know, develop strategies and move your viewpoint forward that, that at each at each big juncture, you know, people on both sides have a lot of emotions and, and like you said, blood, sweat and tears and money and work and everything into it. And so it's probably always important to recognize that there's pain on both sides, no matter what, what decision gets made. But that, but I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about on the face of it. You know, if a, if a, if a person, you know, if, if a, if a gay person in wherever, sees that this law is uh, that this constitution north carolina is is adjusted and feels as though their uh 
their identity or their their rights, their civil rights are are being um, assaulted. I mean, could, one thing that I notice in the conversation is a lot of times it feels like people are talking, and but they're not talking really to each other or to each other these issues. They're talking sort of past each other. And I just wonder what you what could be said by well, I mean, you're clearly. Yeah, um, I, I think the difficulty is that many, by the way, not all gay people support gay marriage. I, I personally know gay people who do not think it's right to redefine marriage. Um, and so I just want to flag, it's probably a very small minority, but they're real people too. So it's not like gay people are doing this uh it's a movement that that believes it's uh, it has a moral right that we're obligated to recognize same-sex unions as marriages, and you know the counter position is not that we think we have the right to overturn your rights. It's that I don't I don't think you or me or a gay person or anyone else has a moral or a legal right to redefine marriage, which is an institution that's older than government. It predates government. It has deep roots in, in human nature. Um, I do know that many gay people feel like there's no possible credible argument against gay marriage, and I think it would be less scary if both sides were able to recognize that although this is a difficult issue and we all think our side is right, that uh, support for marriage as the union of husband and wife is not predicated on the desire to hurt or injure gay people. So I, I can't, I mean, the gay community will have to speak for itself about whether it can recognize that point of view. But I do think it's true and that it would be important and that it's important, as I've said over and over again, I, I don't think of gay people as my enemies. I think of them as my friends and neighbors and fellow citizens whom I agree about many things, but I disagree very strongly about this issue of marriage. So we, you know, keeping that double point of view, which is not to surrender our own point of view, but to recognize that other people think differently, I think it's helpful moving forward. I hope so anyway. Well, I think, I mean, I think it's it's very clear. I think your viewpoint is very clear and very well, very well stated. I, I wonder, are there any other kind of obvious... Um, you know, what's the, what's the right word? Is there any other way in which the, this um, conversation, but this this debate and this kind of this political fight, are, is there any other common ground that you can see achieving? Is there any way of, I mean, because one group feels that it's protecting a, a, a right and the other feels it's, oh, it's having a right stripped. And I just wonder, is there is there any other common ground that can be that can be sought in this in this world? Because I, I, I think I think we have to reach outside of the issue to remember our common ground as Americans, who are trying hard to to fight for what we think is right. Every you know, and I think the world becomes a less scary place when you recognize that about your neighbors, even when you think they're profoundly wrong. I don't see good people and versus I don't see good people versus bad people. I, I I see both sides, um, you know, with their fingers on a piece of the elephant, you know, trying hard to use the democratic process to fight for what they think is right. And I do think that most Americans, you know, 75 or 80 percent, uh, can recognize that as our common ground. We, do, we 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 want to live in a society where we exercise our rights to speak, to donate, to organize, uh, to vote to push for what we think is right. And um, I, I, do, I don't think on the underlying marriage issue, I think the problem is we just really deeply disagree. I, I don't think there's a right to gay marriage. And I think to have the government step in, take over this institution, 
redefine it and just that we all see gay unions as marriages is wrong because it's untrue and it will have consequences. And I know many people disagree with me. So thankfully, we live in a society where people don't grab their guns. They run out and they, you know, collect signatures and put things on the ballot and they go to court. Um, that's part of what makes America great. Well, they, they do both, but if people sat down and had that conversation like we're talking about now where, you know, people can listen to it either one side or the other or no side at all and develop an opinion based on thoughtful, informed commentary, I think that's, I think that's the, the best that our society can aspire to. And so I, I, I honor the fact that you, that you do that. I, 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 the one thing that, and I guess I should, as a host of a show, I should know, I should have a greater, like, detailed understanding of the law, but... But it's, it seems to me that the constitutions of, this, of the states don't define marriage in one way or another. They, they just uh, – am I wrong or is it, is, it seems like to – Well, I mean, I'm, in 32 states now, the state constitution defines marriage as the union of husband and wife because overwhelming majorities in every state that's voted has decided that's what they want marriage to be. There's no federal definition of marriage in the U.S. Constitution. And I think that's a good argument for not using a constitution drafted by our founding fathers to overturn the votes in these 30 states. Other people would disagree, but um, I don't think there's a right to gay marriage in our constitution. I think this is a decision that is left by our constitution to the democratic process. And, you know, fancy lawyers may disagree, but... but that's the the fact that there is nothing in our, consti- our federal constitution about gay marriage is the reason why we need to lead this to the working out of the conversations that take place in the democratic process, which are sometimes painful, but at least they require us to confront one another with what we think is right and to fight over time, uh, you know, o- over the truth about marriage. All right, so I, I go on there to thank her, and she's, she has a very courteous, uh, we, we say um, goodbye. So I just want to thank again uh, Maggie Gallagher for, uh, for jumping on the phone with me and, and answering those questions in such a uh, um, detailed way. Okay, we're going to go to a break. We're trying to get the phones corrected here, but I want you to call in. I want you to express your views, uh, 888-520-4374. We're going to go to break right now. When we come back, we will continue talking about this issue. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Well, if you're looking to spice things up in the bedroom, and really, who's not? You have to go to adamandeve.com and type in HF Show. What's that get you? Well, that gets you in the mood for some romance. It also gets you 50% off almost any item, a free gift, three free DVDs, and free shipping. How great is that? All you have to do, type in the code HF Show at adamandeve.com. Hey, it's Heidi and Frank for scorebig.com. There's been two ways to get tickets up until now. You can go to the venue or team site and buy your tickets directly. Or you could go to the big ticket sellers, the scalpers, if the tickets for the really big events are sold out. And you can pay way, way over face value. Who wants to do that? Who would do that? Nobody! That's stupid. You don't have to do that anymore. Thanks to scorebig.com, a great website where you always pay less than retail. And you never, ever, ever pay any ticketing fees at scorebig.com. And you can save up to 60%. On tickets. Every ticket on the Scorebig website is below retail price. Guaranteed. Great events. Lakers, Clippers, Kings, USC, UCLA, Basketball, Disney Hall, Kevin Theater. Mention specific teams in a list. Well, you did. (laughs) 
And uh, I think that's uh, perfect the way you did Those that. Those were teams in Southern California, but scorebig.com is everywhere. everywhere. I just had a, I got a tweet. global. I got a tweet from a guy saying he's got his Giants tickets and he saved 30%. Awesome. Thanks, scorebig.com. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, not just nosebleed seats, everything from the floor to the rafters. And again, no service or shipping fees ever. Your offer at scorebig.com is what you pay. Always less than retail, never any fees, scorebig.com. Then type in Heidi and Frank to get uh, the, the passcode. Skip the line. Yeah. Start shopping right away. V- get your tickets today. VIP treatment. Don't here. wait. <laughs> type in Heidi and Frank. Do it right now. What are you still sitting here for? S-C-O-R-E-B-I-G dot com. Proof why I was never a cheerleader. I can't spell. There's more proof than that. Live, live from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Hey there. So I think we're back live. A little uh, hiccup on the, the transition there. But hey, look, will you do me a favor and get my friend Todd on the phone? This is the number. The blue number there. But in t- before that, I'm going to take a call uh, from Terry in Encino. Uh, let's hear what Terry has to say about gay marriage. Terry, hello. Thanks very much for calling in. Uh, press the, middle one right the middle one I'll do instead is better. Terry, hi, hi. Thanks so much for calling in. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Good. Hey, I... Um well, just a couple of comments. Um, first, I'd, I'm really proud of President Obama for coming out and making the statement that he did. Um, I guess my main viewpoint on this is that I think that this is a, a civil rights issue, a human rights is- issue, actually, and that it's really uh, no more right to put it up for a majority vote than it would be for, uh, say, uh, racial rights or anything else like that. Um, and I guess my, my other point would be that uh, making it about the sanctity of marriage is primarily a religious argument, and the government really has no uh, standing to make such law. You know, we, we don't make laws based on religion here. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, I'm trying to understand the distinction between um, civil, you know, uh, if something is a civil, it's, it's a... It's a distinction in the law if it's a civil rights thing versus a human rights issue. Um, and, you know, I thought that Maggie kind of spoke very clearly to to why she thought it should be, um, you know, codified within the within the law. And, and I, you know, there's there, I'm going to play a little bite in a minute here from um, from from Mayor, uh, Mayor Cory Booker in Newark. Um, oh, New- yes, I watched him yesterday. Yeah, it was it was it was very, very dynamic, very powerful quote. Um, but I don't think even even as powerful as it is, I don't think he answered the specific legal. Um, I don't think he offered the the parallel argument. You know, he said that it's, it's he said we shouldn't put it to a referendum to the people and let it be subject to the the whims of the people at, at a certain moment. That this is uh, this is a civil rights issue, and then he talked. Well, well, I'll go I'll go into that in a minute. But listen, I, I appreciate what you said, and we're gonna we're gonna keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for calling, Terry. You bet. Take care. All right. Uh, do we get Todd on the phone? He's on it right now. Okay, we'll take another call before we go to Todd. I have. Um, oh yeah, T.W. There he is. I see him. Todd, are you there? Yes, I am. How, thank you so much for calling. Uh, you are. We're we're broadcasting live from Universal Studios City Walk in Los Angeles. Where are you right now? 
the Universal Studio City Walk in Orlando. <laughs> coast to coast. That's what we are on the Vox Popular Show. We go coast to coast. <laughs> I actually walked from uh, City Walk to Toontown to a uh, internet cafe here in Toontown to listen to the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> a great place to talk about this really divisive social issue that's going to derail other economic and discussions while we try and figure out how to um, stop each other from thinking and feeling and doing what we want. Um, okay, so, Todd, did you have a chance to hear Maggie Gallagher's, uh, the conversation that I had with Maggie? I did. Okay, why don't you, I, I guess maybe I'll set the framework, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, Todd and I met during President, uh, then Governor Clinton's um, campaign. I was completely uh, starstruck by his recent service in the Gulf War as a Cobra helicopter pilot and um and then fast forward uh to uh, my wife and i asking todd to be uh the godfather of our oldest child and then our second child before todd had told us that he was gay of course we knew that he was gay but um (laughs) but todd i want to uh you know todd served uh, has had many positions but one of the most um exciting on a on a uh, on a letterhead is todd was a civilian aide no sorry that was me todd was a deputy assistant secretary uh for reserve affairs mobilization readiness and training at the united with the united states army and um and was was not out at that time and then just recently um got married and I was um, lucky enough to be invited to not just attend your wedding with Junior, but also to be in the wedding. So it was my first gay wedding, and I was in the wedding, which I thought was uh, uh, beautiful. And and I the setting was was amazing. Can you talk about the setting of your of your wedding and why you chose it? Um. Yeah, I mean, basically chose it because uh, we got married in Washington D.C., which is uh, you know one of the few places uh, in the mid-Atlantic region where you can get married, and um, it had to be quintessential Washington D.C., so it needed to overlook the White House, and so we we were married at the uh, top of the Hay Adams Hotel in in Washington D.C. That was the. Um pre-yesterday comment by um, President Obama, White House. <laughs> Do you think the... What I, what I, one of the things that really struck me about the wedding was how just kind of normal it was, and it, and it was uh, and how apolitical it was. People were... Your, your family was there. Uh, Junior's family was there. Traveled all the way from Brazil, and and uh, it, it, was just a, it was just a lovely, uh, you know, combination of traditional wedding and, and um, you know, your own your own artistic uh you know the flower just all, all the things about it, it just had it, it felt like like your guys personality but here's the thing uh Todd you, you, there was a long period of time where you were not out and you know it was i think that transition for you was uh was an extraordinary one and now we're in a moment where people are in a much more sophisticated way not talking just about kind of not liking lifestyles, gay lifestyles. They're just they're, we're talking about codifying things in the law. We're talking about changing uh, constitution. Is there, can, is there any way that you can speak to what Mer, uh, Maggie was saying about why it's important to uh, preserve the institution of marriage uh, within the constitution? Can you can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that the way I would address this, and, and although I I'm, I'm going to try to be very pro your show and say this 
absolutely listen and we'll accept the other side. There is a time when you have to fight. And I remember a, a major of mine that was a, a, a big hero of mine used to tell me all the time, take the harder right than the easier wrong. And I think this is absolutely one of those issues. Marriage is a religious issue, but equal protection is a law. And that's in the Constitution. And, and I absolutely agree. You know, there's nothing in the Constitution uh, about marriage. And yes, states have uh, the right, I guess, to put up a referendum uh, on gay marriage. But I absolutely agree with Cory Booker on this issue that, boy, if you went out and did that with everybody else's rights, uh, a lot of folks might be losing some rights today. Mm. So, so do you think that the the anger that's expressed is, uh, you know, I I just used that phrase earlier before he called, uh, saying that you know there sometimes there's a time to fight. In this show, I'm trying to have it be a, a more uh, sort of inclusive forum. Do you think it's do you think it's helpful? Do you think it'll work? I mean, this is I put out two uh, I, I retweeted two things, one from Dennis Miller and one from. Um, oh, who was it? It was, it was, one's from Dennis Miller and the other one. Anyway, one said that, that you, d oh, the, Mike, uh, Mike, the conservative, um, talk show host, and he just said that this was the first rule of politics is you divide your, uh, you unite your base and divide your enemy. And he said that's what Obama did here. And then, oh, Bill Maher was the one who said that, um, uh, that he thought that, you know, he, he was going to unite people against, that Obama's comments were going to unite people against, uh, you know, he, he had a derogatory term for it, it's, you know, stupidity or something like that. But, I mean, what do you think, what do you think is the most effective strategy for the gay rights uh, movement to use? Is, is anger the most effective thing? Oh, no. no and, and, you know, probably kind of to retrace some conversations that you and I have had in the past, um, I, I was definitely one of these believers that said, you know, don't don't go too far here in the beginning and try to go get marriage and and all this. Let's just let's shoot for the for the first steps. Take small steps and let's get federal rights. I mean, I think this is that doesn't really, seem like a small really, step. <laughs> that seems I, like a well, I mean, but if you if you peel back the onion here a little bit, I mean, m marriage. It's a definition of religion again. It really is, and different religions have different uh, definitions. And why should one religion be discriminated against another religion or lack of religion? Uh, a definition of marriage. If there is a a committed relationship, and and we're not talking about a, a game show where somebody you know goes on and marries a millionaire for for a week, and and apparently that's okay. But we're talking about committed relationships. Why shouldn't they all enjoy the same rights and privileges as anyone else? And if there's a way to do that to not uh, tip the apple cart, I'm definitely someone in that camp that would say, okay, uh, you know, you call it tomato, I call it tomato. I, what difference does it make? As long as the rights are the same. Well, Todd, as always, um, I really appreciate your your viewpoint. You, 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 it's just been amazing to watch you grow and evolve. I know you're much, 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 much older than I am, but uh, I've watched your growth on this. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I, I love to tease him about being older than me. Uh, all right, I'm going to jump on with the other callers. Todd, thank you for being available to me, and, and go back and enjoy Toontown, and, and I'll, I'll call you soon. 
Okay, take care. All right. I'm going to take a couple more calls because the phone uh, board has just l- it just lit up, and then we're going to move on to a different topic. But let me go to um, Penny, uh, who is a Christian woman on gay marriage in Victorville. Penny, hello there. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. I've driven through Victorville several times. It's uh, is it is it's more built up now probably than I was when I was there. It is. It is, but it's still desert. <laughs> Aren't they going to put a parking lot there so you can take a a monorail from Victorville to Vegas or something? Yes, they're going to start building it. We can't wait. Well, I'll be I'll be the first. You can't wait. That traffic is going to be awful. <laughs> well, it's going to bring a lot to our city, you know. And is you know, are you the bullet train from here to Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. All right, so I have a lot of people who want to talk, and, and I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm eager to hear what you have to say. So, shoot. Okay, well, I'm a Christian woman, but at the same time, um, I have my beliefs, but at the same time, I realize that as Americans, we all have a right to be treated equally. Um, you know, we can debate all day long whether uh, gay marriage is right or wrong or whatnot, but that's not the issue. It's an equal rights issue, issue in my opinion. Um, did you hear what Maggie was saying? Yeah. What Maggie Gallagher was saying about uh, the fact that uh, Amer- that a union between a man and a woman yields uh, progeny. You know that that there's that there's offspring that flows from that. And so the idea is wanting to, and I'm 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 putting my words in it. They're not her words, but trying to capture the essence of what she was saying that that. that um, there is a, a group of people who really believe strongly that that concept needs to be uh, identified and labeled as such in an exclusive way. Is there? I can see how that would be, you know, maybe years ago, but now, you know, the gay population is, they're here. You know, they're here, they're a huge part of our society, and what are we going to do, push them into a corner? I don't think so. You know, it. We just have to deal with it. We have to deal with it, and and we're just not keeping up, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I I I hear what you're saying, and mm-hmm. I think you've uh, and and I think that's good. I mean, it's funny because the more the what you were describing as this kind of diaspora of homosexuality or or gay lifestyles, at least being accepted into popular culture with movies and television, and and more you know somewhat more broadly accepted. I would think I'm sure a lot of uh, you know gay activists would say that it's in no way broadly accepted, but but you know there, it, certainly it's it's a a topic that is. A lot easier to talk about now than it was ten years ago or fifty years ago, and and but I I would think that for the people who are making the argument that that marriage between a man and a woman needs to be protected in in concept is uh, is 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 heightened by the proliferation yeah. like that like the the uh, there's a clip that I'm going to play actually why don't I play it right you know what let me play it right now there's a there was a um, a commercial in in 2008. Uh, for uh, uh, well, not 2008 for Proposition 8, whatever that was, 2010, I guess, whatever. I apologize for getting the date wrong, but uh, it was a commercial that was put out. You know, as I was looking around, I had several friends send me things that were incredibly emotionally evocative. I mean, uh, you know, this one video that was sent about the, a gay couple where there was a suicide involved in the parent was, you know, attributed to, because uh, to the parents, you know, kind of 
bigotry and and uh, just the agony that was captured in that video. And I wanted to find I was I was thinking about playing that, but then I also wanted to find something that captured the other side. You know, and and when it came to polemics, when it came to like really beating their chest and feeling it in their gut, there are really two groups, at least on YouTube in the in the researching that I did, which is you know cursory, I'm sure, but but was uh, was pa- was preachers who were doing it from the pulpit or pundits on television. I really struggled to find people who said, this hurts me. This this concept of someone else getting marriage and taking that word hurts me. What, but I thought this commercial was was a was a thoughtful was not that kind of emotional thing. But this commercial kind of got at an issue that I think is really important to um, marriage between a single man and a single woman advocates because they they there's much discussion about the follow-on effects. What else is going to happen? Of course, we never seem to hear details about what is that. What is that going to mean? Well, here's one thing. Let me play that uh, that gets that gets at that from from that perspective. Okay, um, okay. H- hang on. In March of 2006, our son came home from school, and he said, our teacher read us the silliest book today. It was so funny. It was about a prince who married another prince, not a princess. And then they became the king and the king. And we were surprised. We thought maybe our son had gotten the details wrong. So we emailed the teacher, and she called us back and told us, yes. This was actually being read aloud by the teacher in class. We were surprised and really astonished because we felt like second grade, it's very young to be introducing the concept of homosexuality and gay marriage. We thought they would at least wait until they had sex ed in fifth or sixth grade. And it was just shocking that... You know, our son started talking about men marrying other men. What happened when you expressed your concerns to the school? Even though this book was not a part of the curriculum, it was something that they had to do. And we thought that we would be informed before they talked about matters involving human sexuality. When we asked them if they could let us know before they read books like this or talked about the subject, they said no. We decided that our only recourse was to turn to the courts. And so we, we went to the uh, first district court here in, in Massachusetts, and uh, the judge ruled against us. And some of the ruling I thought was very troubling. Um, to, to paraphrase, he suggested that the state must teach these things to children before they've had a chance to make up their own minds. In Mark. Okay. Uh, did you hear that one? Yes, I did. All right, so I, any quick thought, and then I'm a, I've got several lines beeping, and I want to try and get to people, and then we have another no segment we're going to do. So go ahead. Well, you know, when the whole uh, school thing with children, that's a whole other ball of wax, in my opinion. I mean, I do think that parents should be informed. One way, whether they're going to be talking about, you know, straight couples or gay couples. But, you know, the parents definitely need to be informed, Sean. All right, but you, you separate out the distinction between uh, a constitutional amendment saying that this is what it should be and then how the the curriculum or how the the those uh follow on discussions happen at least in education form you think those Absolutely. are just okay all right yeah. thanks very much for the call thank you bye for now okay bye all right i'm going to take one more here um okay th- good sarah from illinois who opposes gay marriage i want to give uh, the opportunity to talk hold on one second here we go sarah can you hear me Yes, I can. Uh, all right. So we, we've had um, – I would love to hear – the little thing here says that you oppose gay marriage, and I want to hear why. Yes. Um, well, uh, for a couple of reasons. The, the main reason um, 
being that what the Bible says about it, um, because uh, I'll always um, agree with what the Bible says. Um, but another thing I think that's not really talked about too much um, is that I think that if marriage, uh, if gay marriage was, I, I don't, how do I put this? Um, a lot of people say that it's about love, and I don't think that gay marriage is so much uh, based on love. I think that if um, if it was, it wouldn't matter the gender of the person, because I've... Uh, that sounds like an argument in favor of uh, gay, gay marriage. Uh, no, um, I, this is this is my point, is that I know uh, a gay, uh, some gay people, um, and they've said to me, you know, that they really can't see themselves as falling in love with a woman, and it's the same with... Um, the, the women, they can't see themselves falling in love with a man. And I think that if it was meant to be, uh, if God had made it for us to just choose who we love, then he would have made it where it doesn't, it doesn't matter the gender, but for them it's based, it, it's based on gender. I, I, I gotta say, sir, it seems like that argument flows back and forth. It seems like you're saying that because gay... Uh, individuals that you know say that they could never fall in love with a person that that somehow makes their 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 love that it it's it kind of uh it nullifies the concept of love in their relationships uh because god would have made it either way so but wouldn't the same argument follow back i mean if if uh if someone you know a, a lot of people say that they can never have a homosexual relationship um does that mean that they're denying god's uh, rule that love should be able to flow either way? No, I, I don't think so, and I don't think, um, I mean, I see what you're saying, I just uh, I just simply uh, don't see it that way, and I think that's one of the main things for me that constantly reminds me that it's, it's not quite based on that, and I understand um, that and I, I don't want to offend anyone when I when I say this. As long as you're respectful, um, go for it. But I think that a lot of people in in general get love confused with lust. They see someone that they're they're attracted to, which in this case would be the same sex, and um, they they get this feeling that they that they think is love. But I, I just think all of it begins uh, with with lust. And that that doesn't come out of love. And what it what God intended marriage to be. Uh, you were talking about this earlier about the law and and everything. And what God in, intended marriage to be in the Bible was a reflection of His love. And so, for one, I don't think it's it's based on that. And another thing is is that's all God intended marriage to be. I think that man stepped in and put all of these rights and attachments to marriage that, well, now, you know, when, now that they can't, now that homosexuals can't get married, they don't have access to these rights, and they kind of blame Christians for uh, opposing gay marriage because they want their rights, but these rights that were attached to marriage, which was just supposed to be a reflection of God's love, um, 
they God didn't attach those rights. Man, man did. All right, I don't really Sarah. Think- I think you. I, I think you've. Uh, I appreciate your viewpoint. I'm glad that you were that you were able to share it. Um, you know, to me, there's there there's an important distinction to grapple with, and that is the, the difference between God's law and man's law. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue the, that conversation as we go. When we get, so thank you for your call. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears, and we're going to get into one of my favorite ideas, which is uh, I'm introducing the, the first ever micro-debate on Vox Populi. So thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toad Heads? It's Frank Kramer, Heidi Hamilton. Hey, everybody. From the Heidi and Frank Show. Reminding you that if you have satellite radio, you can check us out every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Extreme Talk Channel 165. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern? Uh, on the East Coast, yeah, on Extreme Talk XM 165. And if you don't have satellite radio, well, you're on the Toad Hop Network, so why not check out the Heidi and Frank Show? The backbone of the whole thing. 10 a.m. to noon every single week. The premium package. But you can listen for free every day, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Check us out, HeidiandFrank.com. If you miss threes too much. She says pussy so many times. Is pussy be yanking? What does that mean? How does a pussy yank? I think it's just like her pussy's off the chain. Because she also says she rides dick like a pro, throw the pussy like she famous. I understand that. I just don't understand how you physically yank a pussy. It sounds like you got to attach be a yanking? Is she doing, like, kegel exercises? Uh, maybe. Yanking? Yeah, yeah, I pussy think maybe that's... Yanking? Well, she also talks about how, like, the pussy feels so good, the rubber be, like, it feels like you don't even have it there, you know? like. Hmm. Did she ever think that maybe the gentleman was lying about putting on a rubber? <laughs> Three's Too Much with Justine Marino, Mark Ellis, and Josh McCuga. Monday afternoons at 4 Pacific, only on the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. The air attack warning sounds like this is the sound.
live from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. I'm Sean Astin, and this is Vox Popular on the Toad Hop Network. Uh, you can call in at 888-520-4374, and I'll encourage you to do that in a minute. We are, I'm so excited. When, when I knew that I was getting to do this show, the concept of deciding what segments would be, you know, the, uh, the, at a certain point, this concept of a micro-debate jumped into my head, and I just was all flutter because I love debates. Um, I, I love presidential debates. There, there are actually two that I grabbed some sound from that I thought I would play to you. D- debates that were defining moments, moments that were defining moments in these in these presidential debates. I just want to play those as a, as a setup to this uh, this segment. Um, the first one is uh, in 1980, uh, President Jimmy Carter and uh, Governor Ronald Reagan are are going toe to toe, and there, I hope you can hear this. There's a it may be too soft. At which point I will perform for you what uh, President Reagan did. Uh, with with all the you know everything I can muster so you can hear it, but it was a became a legendary moment in debating and uh, showed you that uh, you know a couple words could be a lot more powerful than a thousand words. Lesson I should learn. Okay, here. Governor Reagan, as a matter of fact, began his political career campaigning around this nation against Medicare. Now we have an opportunity to move toward national health insurance with an emphasis on the prevention of disease, an emphasis on outpatient care, not inpatient care, an emphasis on hospital cost containment to hold down the cost of hospital care for those who are ill, an emphasis on catastrophic health insurance so that if a family is threatened with being wiped out economically because of a very high medical bill, then the insurance would help pay for it. These are the kind of elements of a national health insurance important to the American people Governor Reagan, again, typically is against such a proposal. Governor, there you go again. When I opposed Medicare, there was another piece of legislation meeting the same problem before the Congress. I happened to favor the other piece of legislation and thought that it would be better for the senior citizens and provide better care than the one that was finally passed. So I'm not sure if you can hear it, so I guess I'll take the opportunity to perform. And he goes, well, there you go again. <laughs> and the way he looked at me, he was taller than uh, President Carter, and he just had that uh, that swash of hair, and he just uh, wiped him out. with that. <laughs> That's a, this, uh, so that was a, a Republican um, victory in, in that moment. Here's a Democratic victory, even though, you know, it's funny how very little changes. The Those... Healthcare issues that are that President Carter was uh, ticking off are all same. They're the same, and the uh, healthcare bill that President Reagan 
wanted and didn't win, I'm sure the issues are the same. Anyhow, uh, now, anyhow, th- let's go and listen to um, 92. This is when I was old enough to vote, my first presidential election, and I actually campaigned for President Clinton at that point in the interest of full disclosure. Um, here is what happened when um, uh, the issue of, of character, you know, uh, draft dodging, pot smoking over, you know, during a time of war, traveling overseas, and, and uh, there, there, was, uh, there were a lot of things about President Clinton's Past that were um, that were really being wrestled with by the American public, and the media was just having a field day with it. And this is what uh, Clinton did uh, with with President Bush at that point. Here we go. President Bush, the question goes to you: Are there important issues of character separating you from these other two men? I think the American people should be the judge of that. I think character is a very important question. And I just find it impossible to understand how an American can demonstrate against his own country in a foreign land, organizing demonstrations against it, when young men are held prisoner in Hanoi or kids out of the ghetto were drafted. Some say, well, you're a little old-fashioned. Maybe I am, but I just don't think that's right. Governor Clinton, you have one minute. When Joe McCarthy went around this country attacking people's patriotism, he was wrong. He was wrong. And a senator from Connecticut stood up to him named Prescott Bush. Your father was right to stand up to Joe McCarthy. You were wrong to attack my patriotism. I was opposed to the war, but I love my country. And we need a president who will bring this country together, not divided. We've had enough division. I want to lead a unified country. So um, with that, why don't I introduce uh, our two Vox Populi micro-debaters, because I'm sure they're going to... um, (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure they're going to hear those words and uh, and internalize them. Uh, let me let me see if I can bring them online here. Uh, by the way, they were cho- just before they I, I, I bring them on. Um, I chose these uh, two individuals based on reading their comments on the Twitter on at host vox populi at host vox populi is my uh, Twitter handle for the show here, and I've really been spending a lot of time. Digging in on issues with people we've talked about, we've talked all the hot button issues we've covered, and and I noticed that two two people jumped out at me, um, and, and I actually I realized that I know I know one of them. I met one of them. I met uh, Jay in um, in 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 Chicago a few weeks ago, and he interviewed me uh, for a Star Wars. Uh, radio show that he has, a radio, uh, a radio pod, podcast, blog, something, whatever it is. Anyhow, and, uh, and we had a great time, but I'd actually, I, I wasn't focused on his name when I was looking through the tweets. I, I saw his picture and I, and I saw, uh, Michelle's picture and I watched what they were doing. I watched how they substantiated their claims with, uh, articles, posts, and, and they just seemed very, um, uh, uptone and and fair, but also very opinionated. So I I invited them direct message uh, through the uh, through Twitter, and they were both gracious enough to agree. I set the topic. Uh, well, let me let me bring them on, then I'll explain the topic. Hold on, uh, Michelle, is that you? I am here. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for your patience. Oh, no problem. You ready? Thanks. You ready? You fired up? I, I am ready. I think I'm about as ready as I'll ever be. So. <laughs> All right. So for Jay's sake, I'm going to let you wait for another 15 minutes, and then we'll get no, – I'm just kidding. All right. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to bring uh, Jay on, and then we'll uh, we'll conference you together, okay? Sure. Okay. Thanks. Locking that one in. Jay. 
Hey, Sean. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. I thought I was going to be the Matt Damon of the show and get bumped next week. Oh, no way. <laughs> no way. That other issue is so... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a yeah. firebrand issue. It's a hot and I, one. Yeah, but uh, but uh, the this segment you know is a is a signature for the show. At least I want it to become so. So do a good job, okay? <laughs> I, I'll try. I got to follow up Reagan. If you got to follow up Reagan and, and Clinton, you got to do both. Okay, yeah, hold on. Do Mich the best. Michelle's going to do Clinton uh, now. Do I push the blue one again and that does it, or Michelle, are you on as well? Hi, I'm here. Can you hear me? Great. Yes. Cool. All right. So the Citizens United decision is the topic that I that I chose um, to to put before you and I, I gave you both a, just a little the exact same amount of warning I don't know whether it was a day ago or a little more than a day ago something like that but um, I wanted to play um, where is it almost okay um, here's a here's a clip from President Obama at the State of the Union right after the uh, Citizens United um, decision was brought down from the court. And basically what it, what it said, to paraphrase, is that um, corporations um, have the same right to speech that uh, individuals do. And the impact of it is that um, large amounts of money will be able to be raised and spent by corporations on behalf of uh, candidates, not in coordination with them. That's a big distinction. They're not allowed to coordinate with the candidates. I don't know how that works. Stephen uh, Colbert makes a lot of fun of that. Uh, but but anyhow, I want to play what President Obama's statement was. It was remarkable that he did it um, because it broke uh, kind of precedent, or at least it broke the um, the etiquette of respecting the Supreme Court justices when they're in the chamber for the State of the Union speech, and and this is he sort of called him out. Let's let's hear what he said. Hold on. With all due deference to separation of powers, last week the Supreme Court reversed a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations, to spend without limit in our elections. think American elections should be bankrolled by America's most powerful interests, or worse, by foreign entities. They should be decided by the American people. All right, that's that. Now I'm going to play um, a, a statement by, an answer to a question by Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate leader, uh, Republican Senate leader, and, uh, he, and this, is, this is how he responded to the Citizens United decision. It's a little bit longer. Um, it's a little repetitive, but I think it's important to hear, and then we'll, I'll go in and get into our uh, rules, and then the questions. Here it is. Uh, what Citizens United basically did was level the playing field. As you all know, uh, prior to Citizens United, if you were a company that owned a newspaper, you could say whatever you wanted to about any candidate, up to and including the day of the election, including endorsing one. Not. I think that the more the, the, the public is engaged, Look, we've got a massive government. We're spending $3.7 trillion this year. We're only taking in 2.2, which gets us back to our earlier discussion. But my view is the American citizens have to be, have to have an opportunity to push back against this massive overreaching government that is trying to regulate every aspect of our lives. And the, the way you push back in a country of over $300 million is to have a voice. And you all are fortunate enough to work for corporations that always were free to say whatever they wanted to say 
at any point up to and including the day of the election. But if you were a corporation that wasn't lucky enough to own a newspaper, you weren't. So all Citizens United basically did was to level the playing field for corporate America and for union America and say, you, like a media company, can participate, not in giving directly to candidates, that's still prohibited, and, and should be, I don't have any, any problem with that, but to independently express your views about anything in this country. Why shouldn't everybody be free to do that? And so I think it was a terrific decision. I don't think there's any uh, harmful consequences to come out of it. Everybody's free to have their fair say. And uh, I know it's exasperating to a lot of you guys because you've always been able to been free to say whatever you wanted to. Now everybody else can. And so, you know, there, there are more voices in America speaking up. Um, I don't find that a problem. Okay, so you guys are both able to hear that? <coughs> All right, uh, I'm, here's the rules, just real quick. Uh, obviously, everything has to be civil. That's the whole point of the show here. But, um, oh, darn it. <laughs> no, no accusations are going to be made. Are the, is there volume at the same level? Okay, make sure they're following the same law. Okay, um, so no accusations. You know, uh, it, it's it's about it's about statements and you know being constructive from from your vantage point. Okay, um, stats and references are of course encouraged, but you got to cite your sources when you say it, um, so that the Twitter sphere can uh, can validate it. Um, we're going to have twenty second. Uh, opening statements. I'm then going to ask three questions. Each one will get a minute answer from both of you, from each of you rather. And then, um, and you're not allowed to ask questions of the other person, rhetorical or otherwise, uh, until after those three questions have been answered. I'm going to ask you individually, one after the other, to ask your opponent a question. And then before that answer is given, to for the other one to ask another question back. And then we'll go and get the the, the answers uh, back and forth like that. So, and those answers will be 30 seconds. And then we'll have a 20 second uh, closing statement. And after that, I will then declare a victor. And to the victor goes, well, I said like a $30 gift certificate to a restaurant or food or something like that. But Jason was saying he wanted an autographed picture. I don't know. That's crazy talk. But, but, uh, wow, that my daughter wants an autographed picture of uh, Super Agent Oso. Of, of Super Agent, of Special Agent Oso. There you go. Yeah. It's all part of the plan. I am an actor. Okay. So, um, Michelle, I want to say your name right. Is it Michelle Harnois? Harnois? Harnois. Harnois. Okay, we've got the French uh, pronunciation. All right, and Jason Swank, yeah? Mm -hmm. Jason, give me uh, give me ten second bio on yourself. Oh my gosh, um, been a uh, conservative Republican most of my life. Raised in a family of conservative Republicans, I was the kind of the quasi Alex Keaton at my elementary school. I used to show up with a tie and a briefcase, practically. So uh, I've been like you, Sean, interested in politics for a long, long time, and got the scars to prove it. Over time, my uh, my views have softened, and I think I've met. My friends more towards the middle, but uh, all right, all right, all right, good, good, good. Met your friends oh, sorry, towards sorry. the middle. Met, met yeah. your friends towards the middle. Stop there for Pete's sake. Okay, right. Michelle, ten <laughs> seconds. Um, I'm I'm a Democrat, registered Democrat. I actually started as a Republican, believe it or not, when I was 18 years old. I registered. I was raised in a Republican conservative household. As I got older, and the internet came, and you know, as you get older, your the groups of people around you expand. And I got to learn more points of view and listen to both sides of the story, and I felt like I related better to the Democratic 
point of view. So okay, all right. So uh, do I know how to pick them, people, or what? Uh, at <laughs> I'm going to give the Twitter handles just so people have it. Uh, at Jason Swank. At J A S O N S W A N K, at Jason Swank. And then we have at Michelle Harnois, at M I C H E L L E H A R N O I S. So you can also find, I'll be tweeting it as well. But those are their Twitter handles. Are you both ready to commence? Ready. I'm ready. All right, here is, I'm um, holding it up there for the camera to see. I'm just going to, a little delay on the feed there. Uh, this is the official timer. Thank you, iPhone. Uh, all right. So, opening statements. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it by uh, by lots. Pick a number one or two. What do you think? Get two. get. No, not you, Jason. Get pick a number one or two. Two. All right. Two, two is two is a uh, Republican. So, uh, Jason, you 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 go first. Ready? And right, opening ready. statement. You have. Well, I don't know how long did I say. Hold on, wait. You have uh, forty seconds. Ready and begin. All right, Sean, the January 2010 decision by the U.S. Supreme Court that the McCain-Feingold bipartisan, quote-unquote, Campaign Reform Act of 2002 violated the free speech clause, that is one that speaks to the very heart and soul of who we are. And there's a lot of talk about the First Amendment, but it bears repeating. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. By attempting to limit or eliminate an organization's ability to participate in the political process is a direct violation of this foundational principle. Thank you. All right, we ended up with 43 there. Good work. Okay, 43 for the record. We've got either food or autograph on the line here. We want to be dead accurate. Okay. <laughs> Michelle, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, begin your opening statement. You have 40 seconds. Okay. I believe that the Supreme Court decision to allow unlimited spending in elections is flawed because it creates, in my opinion, an unfair playing field. Those with the wealthy uh, and those with big money take on a sort of a Goliath presence because they have the financial means that the average person doesn't, which creates an imbalance of power. I believe the decision had a substantial role in the rise of super PACs that have allowed those with deep pockets to contribute limitlessly to the candidate who represents their best interests and not necessarily what's best for the citizens collectively. All right. Is that it? That's it. All right. All right. Both both well said. Um, All right. The first question, um, Michelle, you'll get to answer the first question first. Okay. All right. at the risk of being uh, of covering some of the ground you guys just talked about, this is this is where it's at. Um, is this decision, is the Supreme Court's decision, in your view, one that will help or hurt the nation's ability to hold free and fair elections, fair elections, I free be- and fair elections? Are you ready, Michelle? Go. I'm ready. I believe that it's detrimental to a democracy when the deepest pockets have the loudest voices. I feel like it. You know, take um, the average person. I, I can afford maybe five dollars to give to a donation. How am I going to be equal to someone who, for example, um, uh, one couple donated ten million dollars to Newt Gingrich's campaign? How does the average person compare with that? I don't think that. That I think that leads the door open to corruption and um, to buying favors, and. I don't think that that at all has anything to do with a free and fair election. I think that that puts 
the the big businesses and the people with big money at a great advantage over the majority. Okay, Chase. Well, I think it's going. You know, am I you yep, ready? You're live. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that uh, it's actually going to help. I think that uh, it's going to bring in more transparency. I think it's going to lessen the impact of the uh, the big political action committees. Uh, these these groups don't have to be built anymore. So corporations and nonprofits uh, are free to uh, to support or uh, not support the candidates of their choosing. Um, I think political dialogue in general is going to become more robust with these types of organizations jumping into the fray. Um, don't forget that there is disclosure. It's not like these corporations are going to be nameless, faceless uh, 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 entities. And um, the fact of the matter is that we've had this uh, for a long time. Uh, the unions have been able to contribute uh, unlimitedly uh, to the, the candidates of their choice, which tend to be uh, Democrat. And um, in, in 2008, Obama received $60 million from the NEA. And so I would, I would counter and say, well, you know, how can the, the common person, uh, everyday Joe, compete with that? But the fact is, I think this brings balance, and that's really what uh, is needed. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, the second question... Uh, and Jason, why, do you not, why don't you answer it first, is uh, do citizens who don't work for a corporation have an equal opportunity to be heard? Uh, and are the voices of the employees of a corporation truly represented when the corporation asserts itself in the public sphere? Well, I think it's an interesting uh, way to phrase the question. Um, I believe that we have a, a freedom to speak. I don't know that we necessarily have a right to be heard. Uh, that's different. I mean, there, there are folks that can't uh, necessarily uh, do what you do, uh, Sean, with Vox Populi, or do what I do with, with, with my podcast, which covers less uh, important uh, <laughs> issues. But nonetheless, so you're always going to have a disparity. I think what this attempts to do is this attempts to level the playing field. And I would, I'll say this. I think anytime people are more informed and have more information, it's a good thing. Um, it, it, you know, the mistake that people are making is that this assumes that we're going to vote with the guy with the, you know, for the guy with the most money. Uh, your wife, Sean, is from Indiana. You can look and see what just happened with uh, Senator Luger and Murdoch in the primary. You had the establishment guy with the most money, been seated in the Senate since 1977. He lost in the arena of ideas, not dollars. The right to speak does not mean the power to control. Corporations can say what they want, but voters can still say no. All right. Michelle. Okay. Well, I do feel like money is, is the bottom line here because money controls the media, it controls advertising, and that affects the voters' thinking tremendously. So um, corporation-sponsored ads and media will drive home the points and the information that it feels will sway the voter to vote for their candidate and the protection of, the protection of their best interests. I don't see how – I also kind of have a problem with a, a corporation as, as an identity protected under free speech when it's the sum of so many parts, um, as well as it's, it's money that's amassed in the public marketplace. So I may buy gas at Exxon, but I may not necessarily agree with what their, their political ideals are. But at the same time, my money is going into their pocket and it's going to contribute to something that I don't necessarily um, agree with. So... I feel like the best candidate is not necessarily the one who will win based on their level of wealth, and I feel like everyone does deserve a level playing field, and I feel Michelle. like restrictions. Okay. We're good. We're good. We reached the time there. You're going to go. Uh, you're going to go first on this last question, 
Um, sorry to interrupt you, but we're going to go go with the clock. Um, all right. So, in a contentious environment like the one, you know, this first half of the show was based on the the issues surrounding gay rights or protecting marriage. Um, does this Supreme Court decision advantage one point of view over the other? Meaning, is the is the minority voice protected equally under the law? And, and I guess it it sort of is the same question as before. Only there's a face on this one. You know, there's we we kind of we know a little bit of of who is we we know who the the players are and i just wonder if you um can speak for a minute or less to that concept of whether or not the minority uh is disadvantaged financially by this decision or not michelle go ahead i believe that they are because the candidates are currently depending on the large corporations and they might be hesitant to take a stand one way or the other on issues for fear of the proverbial well going dry so i i feel like the best ideas may not be heard because the people behind them don't have the finances to get out their message. And I feel like who suffers the most is the middle class, the poor, the people that don't, you know, the minorities are are not getting um, their voices heard because. We lose her? We lose Michelle? Hello, hello, Michelle. I still see her. Uh, she's still lit up there. Um, how you want to do it? Micro debate experiences technical difficulties. <laughs> Sean, I, I, I think she gave up. I think uh, she I think, I think she declared victory, man. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I have her number. Hold on. Uh, this is it here. I don't want to say it out loud. Uh, you can look at it if you want. Okay, so, uh, Jay, would you do me a favor and sing the um, Jeopardy? <laughs> <laughs> I promise it won't. Yeah, there you go. Well done. It will not improve or uh, injure your score at all. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. it. I appreciate it. Uh, All right, we'll get her back on. So do I? So that number's been released. Oh, she's there again. No, she stopped at exactly thirty-three seconds. So I hope she can pick her point back up. Um, Yeah, maybe I'll use that opportunity to play. You know, I have so many different things I can play around here. That I pull out during the week. Um, all right, let's do that. We're going to take a. Uh, we'll take a. Jay, hang with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back and uh, and let her finish uh, her answer, and and then give you re, you know restate the question and so forth. Okay, back in a minute. Sure. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hey, Heidi and Frank here from HeidiandFrank.com. Hooters is open late every single night. Late night happy hour starts at 10 p.m. And the kitchen doesn't close until midnight. And keep in mind, it's Hooters Swimsuit Pageant Time. All contests start at 10 p.m. With all beers, is $2 and $4. And May 12th is the West Coast Regional Swimsuit Pageant at Icon LA Ultra Lounge. And we're going to be there. We're going to be judging. Mm-hmm. It was so hard last year. What? Judging. Oh, right, right, right. So check out WestCoastHooters.com for contest dates and details. If you missed Punch Drunk... Somebody get me a hot 14-year-old Indian girl. I want to go in the woods for a few months. That's oh, by the way, Pocahontas wasn't hot. She was, like, incredibly Trust unfuckable. Me, back then, if you equate, back then she was a fucking uh, uh, Louisiana Purchase 4, which was, like a, which was like a Boston 2. Yeah, I got okay? to put I got it, To put it in terms like, if we're like, oh, yeah, she's a Flagstaff 9, but she's only a Hollywood 6. Pocahontas was, a, was uh-huh. clearly... A Louisiana Purchase 8 
But yeah, New England, she might have only been a four. Punch Drunk with Ari, Sam, and Teeb. Tuesdays at 4 Pacific, only on the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. first. Jay, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, so leave that music on for me. Just, just. Michelle, are you there? I am. Harry, Lush, and Jay, are you there? Do you want me to be on here? Can you? Yeah, hang on. Let me. We're just gonna fade out that Pink Floyd "Money" song there. Hey. <laughs> Go ahead and fade that down. Get appreciate it. So the question was, uh, you know, in this environment with uh, gay rights in particular, I sort of pointed out: does the decision uh, to allow the, that kind of unlimited spending affect, uh, you know, uh, protect the minority uh, voice, or does it does it advantage or disadvantage them? And you you had started saying that it it. Uh, Disadvantage them, and you got about thirty seconds in. So because of the break, I'll I'll give you um, you know, up to a minute, and then Jay can use uh, up to a minute and a half if he wants. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Hold on. Let me. Would... Does that seem like a fair, Jason? Does it seem sure. like a fair solution? Okay. And uh, begin. Okay. Um, I was going to say that because candidates who support businesses will get a disproportional amount of funding than those in favor of a. <laughs> um, I think that could go on the who's gonna dig in deep based on whether or not he was an Obama decision. Michelle 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 can you hear me? Michelle Hello this is Lawrence Kansas is anybody out there? You know that with that movie Hey can you hear me? You're can you hear me with my phone but I've it's are you on a cell? Is that the uh, is that the thing? I is. You're cutting out. I'm catching about every thirty seventh word. Oh no! Oh wait, now you okay. sound better. No, you sound better there. You there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, go. You got forty five seconds left. Go. Okay, I, candidates who support businesses disproportionate amount of funding. I think, and I, I don't think that it will. I just come out and made this statement yesterday. And um, after the Michelle, can you hear me now? Yes. For some reason, when I ask you a question and you answer it, I can hear you like you're sitting next to me. But then as soon as you start talking and making your point, it's it's like you're driving a dump truck under the uh, Roosevelt Bridge. The, the, the tunnel, whatever it is. Bridge, tunnel. I'm from L.A. <laughs> the, uh, the, the something. Anyhow, so let's try it. Let's try it again. We, we sort of got nothing of that last little bit. My my, uh, my my little game here is... Uh, did we just lose you? Yeah. Jace. Yeah. 
Go and do your minute. If we can get her back, we will. Otherwise, uh, I might have to uh, declare a, um, what's it called when a, uh, not a default, but a, uh, I'll think a of the word. Say again, oh. not a tie. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, what happens when a game is called before the fourth inning? You know, it's a, uh, it's just something, a forfeit. No, it's not a forfeit. No, there's another word for it. Okay, go ahead. Let me hear your, uh, your well, pro, uh, um, argument for the, uh, it does it disadvantage, uh, you know, the, the minority voice in the sure. discussion. Sure. Uh, Sean, your question uh, reminds me of a, a funny story I once heard where they said that uh, God was going to uh, destroy the world. He's going to end the world. And so he talked to all the major newspaper outlets. And uh, these were their headlines. New York Times ran with the headline, God end world tomorrow, women and minorities, hardest hit. Uh, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal runs the headline, God end world tomorrow, markets close early. Um, you know, we, we, we seem in this country to want to always look at this as according to this group or that group. I think it separates, I think, conservatives from those on a more uh, liberal side. But we don't, I don't think we put people in those, in those boxes. Um, and I think that, again, this is going to level the playing field. Uh, unlike um, what um, Michelle had said, um, you have more choice with what companies you deal with, what nonprofits you donate to, than you do, say, for example, to be in a union where you have no choice. Um, so I think this is actually better. I think it's going to allow for more voices, better organization, again, more transparency. And uh, I don't think that it, you can say that it benefits one party over the other. If you think that the, Demo the Republicans are the party of big business, it's, it's just not so. 2008, Obama received more donations from health, the health care sector than John McCain. Uh, Pfizer gave at a four-to-one rate, uh, Obama to McCain. HMOs gave to Democrats over the GOP 60 to 40 percent. You've got uh, companies like um, uh, that are supporting the climate change initiative of the Democrats, such as uh, GE, uh, and other Fortune 500 companies that are going to be profiting from the carbon, carbon pricing and uh, the subsidies of uh, government for new technology. It goes back to FDR collaborating with the tycoons of big business to create New Deal initiatives and to squash com competition. Um, this idea that a ruling like this only benefits the wealthy or only benefits the GOP is just not true. History does not prove this to be so. Uh, well argued. I think I have Michelle back. Uh, do I push Michelle's button or do I push... Uh... Yeah, he's locked in. He's locked in. Okay, here we go. Michelle, are you back? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, he just opened up a can of, well. <laughs> oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Uh, no, that's all right. Hey, phones are phones are phones. Technology is technology. Go ahead, and um, you're ta we're talking about does uh, does the decision um, yes. disadvantage the minority uh, voice? Go. Uh, I don't think that it gives a disadvantage or an advantage at this point. I don't think we really know yet what's going to happen. This is the first presidential presidential election since the decision, so we don't really have anything else to compare it to. So I feel like we're going to learn a lot at this point, um, especially after what President Obama came out and spoke out about in support of same-sex marriages yesterday. Now, I think, is when we're going to see whether or not it, it affects the, the unlimited spending if, if groups that are pro-gay marriage or anti-gay marriage are inclined to make greater distance greater contributions to the campaigns, I guess, is something that remains to be seen. Okay. Um, Michelle, ask Jay one question. Sure. My question for him? or Yeah, yeah, your question of him, yeah. Okay. Um, my question to him was, what would the harm be in imposing limits in order to level the playing field? And Jay, what would your question to Michelle be? Uh, how would she define... Uh 
freedom of speech. Hmm. Okay, so Jay, go ahead and answer the question first. Well, the harm is that it uh, is in violation of the Constitution. Um, so that's that's the harm. I, I, I think that um, um, we need to understand that uh, our founding fathers had, uh, I believe, a much more profound understanding of uh, the do's and the don'ts of uh, creating and running a republic than we do. Um, so I'm going to err on the side of caution and go with um, with those guys. Um, as far as leveling the playing field, as, as I mentioned, and maybe, Michelle, I apologize if you weren't able to hear, but um, I, I don't think that it levels the playing field uh, or, or that limiting it would level the playing field. I think that this is a move to level the playing field. We already have uh, the labor unions in this country, which are uh, not to be inflammatory, but are a little, little less than uh, money launderers for the Democrat Party. Um, so I think this is going to give people more choice, more opportunities, and um, I also think that there's a little bit of scare tactics here. You know, most businesses are not going to burn through their money, you know, to help or hurt politicians. You know, Jay, I think you've wa- I think you've wandered off the answer to our question. I think you've got you've you've expanded I into did. a new territory. Go off the barn? It was a good it was a good direct answer for for a while, and then I just at the uh, the scare okay. tactics were not directly you know what's the harm? Uh, but we'll just cut out when I when I went when I went off there. Uh, <laughs> too late. The, the uh, <laughs> all right, Michelle. Do you remember his question? Um, I, Mike, I'm sorry. His, you, question, his question about what is def- free speech? Yeah, how would you define free speech? Yeah. I would define free speech as probably is definitely the most important thing that we have in this country that defines that distinguishes us from everywhere else is that we do have the um, the privilege of being able to speak how we feel um, on whatever issue it may be and that we will not be held, you know, accountable for that. But um, I don't think that there is a free speech issue here because no one is saying that you can't contribute. I just feel like the what everyone wants is uniformity, where everyone has the same rules and the same regulations. Because I don't think that you're going to necessarily get the best candidate. Um, whether or not somebody has money should have no bearing on whether or not they're running the country. So that's as far as the free speech issue goes. I don't think that it is. You're still allowed to to give contributions. You're just, it's just got to be level. They, they need to put something into effect where one person cannot have, or one corporation cannot continue to give and give. And I feel like it is cost effective for corporations. All right, to Michelle. Money. You you have similarly wandered away. The the you, I think you answered the uh, for the free the the definition component, and then I think you you uh, you, you went down the same path that uh, that Jason did. So it, it's equal. Um, all right. Well, we're my time because of the technical sta- snafu. My time is a little bit uh, truncated. What I want to do is is forego the closing arguments or just give you you know like like ten fifteen seconds. You, you okay with fifteen seconds, both of you, with a with a closing statement? All right, so who was the first with the opener? It was Michelle, wasn't it? Did you have the first opener? I think I was. We are, okay, so... Yeah, he was, yes. Yeah, okay, so Michelle, you give the first uh, the first closing uh, remark. You have uh, 15 seconds, knock him dead, go. Okay. Uh, this, as I said before, this is the first presidential election year since the decision was rendered in 2010. I just wanted to reference an article called Numbers Don't Lie on Slate.com by Richard Hasen where he references the Center for Responsive Politics, which tracks campaign finance and lobbying numbers. And the figures that I got were... Ah, I'm not going to be able to find it now. 
Um, it was up. <laughs> All right, stop. It was up. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there with it was up. That was okay. about 30 seconds. Uh, all right, You'll so. Never know. <laughs> well, you put, uh, tweet it, please. Um, sure. It'll be after the verdict, but some people like to comb through the wreckage. <laughs> Jason, are you ready for your uh, 30 sure. second close? Okay, and go. I think it's important to remember that corporations are just individuals organized into a group to conduct business, and uh, it shouldn't matter whether it's the voice of one or the voice of a thousand. We have a right to speak for, uh, for or against government and the issues that fuel our passions. We need to see past stereotypes and divisions of left and right and look at what is American, and among those are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay. Well, or, hold on. I'm gonna, can I applaud in the studio here? Is that, uh, is that, is that okay if I applaud? Well done. There were two of us. The sound of two hands clapping. Um, wow, that was fun. It's exactly what I... The winner of the debate is me for picking the topic and picking the two uh, debaters who acquitted yourselves brilliantly. Um, I think that if I had to... Uh, I think that... I want to say that my, my personal opinion is uh, that, uh, that, the, that, it's, that it's, it's not fair. That corporations... Um, have marketing machines and can host fundraisers and can fuel uh, commercials that uh, that draw in more money and, and uh, uh, that is that operates above and beyond and outside the the you know kind of daily or even I don't know any kind of metric that you'd use for how the uh, the their employees uh, might go and if their employees are in a union and then their union is able to raise money then you've got the union money from the employees warring with the management money which is getting I don't know I, I it just seems to me like corporations are not people but so I would I would agree sub substantively with uh, with Michelle's uh, take on it her her uh, anti take which I which I asked her to argue um, but I think you Jason made a, uh, a were a stronger debater you brought in your your um, your examples uh, early, I, Michelle, you brought your your really cool article that I you know. referenced in at the very end. You know, I was like, I, I want to know what that article says, but but for, but from a debate perspective, within the context of the uh, of of the the time limits and all that sort of stuff, I would I will uh, I will de declare my Star Wars friend the the victor. <laughs> but I'll, I'll send both of you either an autograph picture or a uh, uh, a, a gift certificate certificate for food. Let, why don't we uh, we'll talk about that offline. But thank you both so much for for participating in uh, the Vox Populi first ever micro debate. You both did great. Thank Thanks, you so Sean. much thank for having you, us. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what disagreeing should look like in America. <sighs> My goodness. All right, how much time do I get left? I still have like 10 minutes. All right, I think what I'll do is play a couple of seconds. I said last week that I would do it. I have two things I want to do. One is, uh, is just play a few seconds of my mom's... Um, uh, interview from last week. I only played the first half of it, uh, and people got a kick out of it. So here's here's another little piece of it. I guess I'll dole it out over time here, uh, little bit by little bit, because I want to get to the book of the, uh, the the movie of the week, book of the month thing. And you're gonna talk first. What? <laughs> oh, brother. Like the rest of the world, I'm confused. Okay. Way to get him on the campaign trail again. All right, I'm Boy, skipping there to be forward. Fundamental changes in him. I like how well, oh, he gets the bully pulpit to go to Afghanistan and make a big deal. Hey, he's the president of the United States. He had Did to I go sign a paper. 
<laughs> he, he didn't have much time. He went by Air Force One. He said what he had to say, and he got out. No, but like, so did you see? The, did you see the political commercial with uh, with President Clinton, who I, I you know, unabashedly uh, endorse and yes. support, regardless, regardless of who did. likes it? But so, and, and so, well, you know, I have such a thing for President Clinton. Oh, brother! All right, I'm gonna skip forward a little. You just, uh, I like that you commit to what you what you think. You 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 know you. We just like to say thank oh, you to Patty. Oh, are you for... kidding? <laughs> it was Pablum. Or oatmeal, or oatmeal, or pablum. And, yeah, pablum you know, or oatmeal is where we left off. Like you had, I'm going to skip forward a little bit more. <laughs> that talking, one? That, that, was the, uh, that was the John Kerry presidential campaign. And, and oh, I, yeah, I got to back up. I got to back up. You had, you like. Will you do me a favor? I think it's a, it's a great story. I, okay, on here you Twitter, go. Uh, you know, I get a lot of uh, people saying, you know, why are you doing this? Why would you subject yourself to this? You know, what is it? How long have you been interested in it? Will you tell the story of the airplane? Oh, in the womb. <laughs> Shall I tell the story about what? The the uh, the airplane. When I oh about when you just, when you left me in in Portland by myself in a mosh of people because you were gonna get in the bubble. <laughs> the, you know, that one. That that was the uh, that was the John mm. Kerry presidential campaign, and, and and I don't think you were abandoned as much as you were. Um, we, we, you know. Oh, I was abandoned, oh. and it didn't matter because I knew <laughs> if I had had the chance, I would have taken it too and remember? left you alone in Portland. <laughs> Do you, you live in Idaho. It's like more than halfway there. I don't understand the problem. Uh, so, but but you, uh, do you remember where I was going that day? Yeah, you were going. Uh, you were getting on a plane. Before the plane, before the plane, we went to a community college, and we were talking to community yeah. college students. So, and because I went to a community college, it was, uh, and I'm, you know, recognizable actor. It's kind of, you don't see a lot of actors talking about their community college experience, so that was kind of a cool way to be able to contribute with the, with the campaign. But I feel myself talking faster. Sean, Tell the you, story. You, brought, you find one of the things that fascinates me, and I think um, hundreds of thousands of others, is that... You will find something interesting, like an amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, amoebas are fascinating. And you will work it like you will work it to death or to the greatest heights. You look at an amoeba, and then you look at some of the most complex systems on Earth, and you go, "It came from that. That is interesting. We have to look at that." But, Mom, I want you to tell the story about when. No, but that's too political. I don't want to talk about amoebas anymore. Uh, no, oh, right, evolution. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> right. No, what I want to know, just the last story. We've been going for for. I think literally, I'm looking at the clock. We'll have to go for a commercial break if I play this thing in its entirety. But, but. Oh. I'm, Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop it there. I'm gonna stop it there. So we have next week the anecdote that she's gonna tell. I think me like you know abandoning her in Portland is 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 a, is a good uh, is a good taste of uh, my mom Patty Duke for today. Uh, now let's get to, to as we as we kind of wind up the show here. The book of the month, movie of the week concept is something that I came up with in order to force myself to read more and watch better movies. Uh, so to the extent that anybody is actually watching or listening to this, um, you're welcome or I'm sorry or whatever if you don't want to pay attention to it. <laughs> um, the, the movie that I watched, and I watched it that night, like right after I announced it last week, is, uh, was The Ides of March with, uh, with George Clooney. And I'm going to play uh, the trailer real quick so you can hear it. You okay? We're going to be fine. 
have to do it. It's the right thing to do, and nothing bad happens when you're doing the right thing. Is this your personal theory, because I can shoot holes in it? Well, there's exceptions to every rule. Who is this? I'm Duffy. You got a couple of minutes? I'd like to sit down. I can't be talking to you. You got something the other guys don't have. You exude something. You draw people in. You're the big man on campus. I'm just a lowly intern. What time you got work tomorrow? 9 a.m. I thought I was being smooth and stuff. No, you're pretty forward. You have an idea how to tie tie. No, not a clue. You got the best media mind in the country. All reporters love you. If your boy wins, you get a job in the White House. He loses, you're back at a consulting firm. I've worked on more campaigns than most people have by the time they're 40. He's the only one that's going to actually make a difference in people's lives. Either we're going to lead the world or we are going to bury our heads in the sand. You're my brain trust. So how are we doing? What do you think, Stevie? I think it's ours for the taking. You are working for the wrong man. I want you to work for us. Calls my friend. There's only one thing I value in this world, and that's loyalty. Without it, you're nothing. You want to work for the friend, or do you want to work for the president? I don't have to play dirty anymore. I got more. Today marks the beginning of a fight between two sets of ideals. If you get Thompson's endorsement, the race is over. What does he want? Cabinet post. I'm never going to do it. I said I wasn't going to make those kind of deals. Oh, I met with Tom Duffy yesterday. What? I just didn't think it was... Oh, it doesn't matter what you thought. It matters what you did. It matters what you didn't do. I'm in. I'm coming to work for you. Revenge makes people unpredictable. We can't have that. What if I had something else? Like what? Something big. You thought it was important to fix things. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I think we get the basic idea. Okay, so uh, New York Times didn't like this movie very much, and uh, one of my loyals over on uh, on Twitter uh, was kind of disdainful of the movie, saying that it just seemed like it was a celebration of uh, the fact that all the idealists end up, um, you know, becoming becoming cynical. And for me, the the basic core of this, if anybody wants, oh, we're almost out of time anyhow. Uh, okay, so this is going to be the trend with the movie of the week, book of the month. This is going to be left at the very end, and then you're stuck. Um, <laughs> but the, for me... It, all of the movie elements, the 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 drama about the the candidate getting the the young girl pregnant and it discovering and it being used as a chit and the in the conversation that all that stuff all felt like you know we'd seen it a thousand times. What I loved was just being in the environment. You know, most people don't know what a political campaign really looks like. We know a little bit from the movies we've seen, Primary Colors, and you know that kind of thing, but but we don't really know. Um, the solitude, the loneliness, you know, no matter how powerful you are, when you hang up the phone from the governor or from the senator, whoever it is, from the candidate, and you walk out and you're in the middle of nowhere and, the, you know, and the cold pizza's too cold to eat and you, it gets lonely. There's this really sad, sinking feeling. And I thought the movie kind of captured that a little bit. Uh, the Marissa Tomei character, the, the, um, the reporter that I did that like you're really nice and you're really nice and you try and get something and uh, he, the, the sort of push me pull me relationship between the the, uh, the the campaign that's got something that she wants and yet they need her and 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 she gives this great speech about how we're not really friends <laughs> 
you know, all that thing. We know each other's name. We see each other all the time. We've got this rapport. But, like, when it gets right down to it, I'm not your friend and you're not my friend. You don't treat me like a friend and I don't treat you like a friend. So now tell me what I need to know or answer this question or I'm going to run with this story. Very, uh, very intense. Um, the concept of loyalty, I mean, the speech that Philip Seymour Hoffman gives is a political um, uh Trope. I mean, it's just it's just true in politics that people get really scared if you're not loyal, and and demonstrating and proving that loyalty over and over again is uh, becomes uh, a task for some people. And then the last thing uh, is the TB, the TB. This is what they all refer to. Uh, the, it, one of the things I can't stand about politics is when politicians refer to it as a business because it is, but not the business of governing, the business of getting elected, manipulating people, or encouraging people, or inspiring people, whatever you want to phrase it. So treating it as a business or calling it a business, just that phrase bugs me. And then this other thing of TB, true believers, are seen as these, um, I don't know, kind of leeches on the system, these barnacles on the, on the, the swift-moving uh, campaign. Uh, true believers. I'm a true believer. Uh, and the more cynical I get, the more of a true believer I become because it makes me want to fight that much harder for the things I love and know and believe in. Uh, and that especially is making sure that there are forums for people like you to have your voice heard. So thank you very much. My name is Sean Astin. This is the Toad Hop Network, Vox Populi. See you in a week. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hey, Heidi and Frank here from HeidiandFrank.com. Hooters is open late every single night. Late night happy hour starts at 10 p.m. and the kitchen doesn't close until midnight. And keep in mind, it's Hooters swimsuit pageant time. All contests start at 10 p.m. With all beers, is $2 and $4. And May 12th is the West Coast Regional Swimsuit Pageant at Icon LA Ultra Lounge. And we're going to be there. We're going to be judging. Mm-hmm. It was so hard last year. Whoa. Judging. Oh, right, right, right. So check out WestCoastHooters.com for contest dates and details.